London is not just some city. Its spirit stands outside of time. Certain places have influenced its citizens. It is not only a setting, but a presence, a character in various films, novels and poems. My name is Philip Röttgers and I search for London's spirit. I think there are two particular ways to explore the powerful and mysterious place that is London, through literature and through walking. Follow me into a secret world. Follow me to London beyond time and place. In this series I will explore its spirit by walking the city and talking to London enthusiasts. I invite you to join me. Together we will discover London beyond time and place. This is Talks Beyond Time and Place. Hello everybody to Talks Beyond Time and Place. Uh, my name is Philip Röttgers and my guest today is Jack Cheshire of Living London History. Welcome Jack. Hello. <laughs> Jack is a lover of all uh, things London, history and walking and on his website Living London History he wants to uncover the history of London and help Londoners see their home in a different light as well as helping visitors to get under the skin of this incredible city. So uh, I thought maybe we can start with you, Jack, telling, it, telling us a bit about uh, you and about living London history. Yeah, uh, no problem. Um, so I grew up um, in Essex, actually. So see, relatively near to London. Um, London was always kind of the place that we'd go on sort of day trips and, you know, go to the theatre and museums and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I grew up in Essex, then spent seven years in Bristol. Uh, so I studied history uh, at the University of Bristol uh, and stuck around for a few more years, basically. So I stuck around for four more years um, whilst working, um, essentially. And then, so that was up until December 2019, um, when I left my job, I went traveling for a few months. Uh, obviously, lockdown happened la uh, last year in yeah, March. <laughs> Pretty much when I got back from traveling, actually, I got back on the 19th of March and we went back, uh, we went into lockdown on the 23rd. So one year it. ago, it's basically. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I moved to London properly uh, in August of last year. Uh, so I got a job here in June, uh, moved here in August and I set up um, Living London History, the blog um, in September. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd been back my partner had been living in London um, and had lived there for lived here for a few years so I'd been backwards and forwards to London a lot and had spent a lot of time in London but wasn't actually living there officially yeah um, so the blog was something that I'd kind of been thinking about for a little while um, and obviously with sort of these ideas and things like that sometimes they take a bit of time to get them off the ground or actually find the impetus to actually do it right. um but actually i think probably lockdown helps with that uh, i don't want to mention lockdown too much but it's okay think... we, we all know we all know or we all have to deal with lockdown so uh, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. it helps people sometimes it open up opportunities so it's it's okay <laughs> I, don't, i mean i don't know whether i i think i probably would have done the blog if it wouldn't be blocked out, but obviously the limiting of 
activities. I was getting out and about walking a lot in the city. Um, I wanted sort of a project. Obviously, I'd always loved history. I studied history. I love walking around cities whenever I sort of go away to yeah. uh, other cities abroad. I always try and sort of go on a walking tour and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, I set up the blog in September. Um, it's essentially a weekly a weekly blog post um, where I look at sort of a quirky hidden gem in London or um, I do quite a few sort of self-guided walks. Um, so when I was, it's probably a couple of years ago actually, and probably one of the things that inspired me to do the blog was I read the biography of Samuel Pepys, the Claire mm. Tomalin biography. I don't know whether you uh, know it really enjoyed the book and then when I was in London I sort of took myself on a bit of a self-guided made up Samuel yeah. Pete tour of London which actually now I have written as an official tour and put onto my blog yes I've uh, seen that hmm. and yeah and it was that kind of and I thought it would be a good idea to have a blogger or a website where there are sort of multiple historical walks by sort of theme or by area that you can sort of scroll through and sort of pick one out and yeah um if you're visiting london or if you live in london um, yeah. so that's how the, the blog was started really <laughs> yeah i think it's it's a great idea and it uh, I, I think it also developed it developed greatly and i think you you have quite a lot of readers and, and followers at least from from what i saw so uh, you really seem to yes. have hit something with the with the blog and, and the idea. But I like the, I, I know exactly what you mean when you say, um, you know, you read a book in your case of, of Samuel Pepys and then you thought, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk where, where he walked or where, where he lived or yeah. whatever. In, I know, I know what, exactly what you mean because I also like, like doing these things. And I also like anytime I go to, a, to, a, to another city or another place, I, I, I like to walk around just, you know, experience the place by walking because this is basically for me I, th I think this is the best way to experience uh, yeah, a city or, or a place yeah yeah and uh, yeah so I, I really understand your approach <laughs> and the idea behind it so you you said you you study history uh, um, have, have you always been kind of fascinated with with London history or where did that come from um, I've always been fascinated with history um, I've always read a lot of history books. I've always been very interested in sort of British history, kind of interested in your own country's history, um, as you are. But I wouldn't necessarily say until I moved here, I had a specific fascination for London's history. Um, obviously, I, I, I was interested in it in the sense of, in a broader sense, mm. um, as I say, in terms of like, British history and how it all sort of fits together and that kind of thing. But in terms of looking at London as a city, I would say that that probably properly started when I when I moved to London and started walking around and realised just how much there was yeah. to sort of yeah. discover basically in in London. Right. Yeah. And there's there's loads to discover. There's lots to discover, as one can yeah. also see on on your website. So. Uh, yeah. What, what was what was the most surprising story or fact that you've come across so far? <laughs> the, 
the maybe not the most surprising, but sort of the thing that I found most interesting was I'd actually been on a, again, this was probably maybe three or four years ago. I went on the backstage tour at the Globe. Oh, yeah. Um, which is a really, really, really interesting tour. And at that point, as I say, probably didn't know much about specifically London history at all. Um, and in the sort of museum section, I can't remember whether they actually mentioned it in the tour, but they've got like a little um, yeah, museum display section. And it was talking about the frost fairs mm-hmm. um, on the Thames, um, essentially big, great big carnivals and fairs that happened when the Thames used to freeze over, which obviously doesn't happen anymore. Um, I think the last one, or not properly anyway, not enough yeah. to have a fair. Um, that would be the... an experience <laughs> nowadays. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and they were up until the 18, I think it was, it was when London Bridge, the old London Bridge was demolished. I think it was 1833. Mm-hmm. Um, these frost fairs would happen, not very regularly, I don't think. I think they were like, there were say 20 over the course of about, 400 years or something like that um but that i remember that fact specifically i remember learning that fact and it just really really interested me not something i'd ever heard before yeah Uh, it's kind of completely pretty much lost bit of history as well you can't see the evidence around you but right yeah and it's i think it's also so interesting because you you often think I, i i'm not very uh, too familiar with the topic also but i often think have there been any accidents you know have have the ice maybe the ice (laughs) broke up i'm pretty sure there were i think i've i think i've read about or heard um that there were a fair few occasions when the ice would crack and loads of people would fall in (laughs) that's great (laughs) yeah Um, yeah. i don't think that stopped them yeah Obviously not, evidently not, but yeah, uh, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, would be would be interesting to to witness an, an event like this nowadays, yeah. but one one yeah. probably happen. I mean, so how I think they, so, oh, No, please, if you wanted to say something. But I was gonna, I was just gonna say, I know at some point they would literally be roasting hogs on the ice, <laughs> yeah, like, whole pigs, and actually have fires on the ice, which yeah. is astonishing <laughs> yeah yeah just uh yeah <laughs> i mean you want if you want the full the full event <laughs> then then these things have to be included <laughs> food food and alcohol right. usually. <laughs> yeah yeah and it helps against the cold so yeah yeah true. um so how do you pick uh, the, the topics you write about how do you choose them um good question um <laughs> <laughs> is i mean i'm constantly on the lookout for for new th- places to go and see and explore um constantly sort of reading my london sort of history library is is growing all the time yeah uh, mine too <laughs> yeah um and obviously on social media similar accounts and things like that um I keep an eye out for places that I haven't heard of or haven't been to yet. And I always pin, um, I've got a Google Maps, like a My Maps on Google. And every time I find a new place, I pin it on the map. So on a weekend, if I'm free on a Saturday or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll just go to a particular area. And then I've got 10 places that I can go and explore that I've noted Great. down. Yeah. Um, which is, it works well as a technique, I think. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, I, I try and probably the main factor in what I decide to post each week is just to have variety. Um, so I try and sort of alternate between walks um, and maybe like a hidden gem type um, topic and try, I try to vary area mm-hmm. as much as I can as well. So I don't want to be, I live in North London and I work in kind of central South London, um, just, just south of the river. Mm-hmm. So those are the places I obviously spend the most time and I probably have the most content on, <laughs> yeah. but I do try and make sure I get sort of to other places and feed them into it as well. Otherwise it's, you know, too specific to, to the areas that I'm, I'm in most of the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you have so much to choose from, so uh, it won't be, won't be difficult. Yeah. To find. I mean, there's, I haven't really got um, east much. I need to try and get, I really want to go to sort of explore more sort of Bethnal Green and Whitechapel and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously with the current situation, you you can't go too far. I need to be able to walk there essentially. Right, um, yeah. That's the thing. Which yeah. limits me. But I, I'm lucky in the sense that I work in central London. That has really helped. If I didn't have that, then there would be a lot of North London on the blog for the past six months. <laughs> Which would also be fine. But yeah, of course, I understand what you mean. So yeah. But once it is possible, I mean, I, I'm a huge, the, the area, you know, East London, Bethnal Green, Whitechapel, Spitalfields, that's that's the area where I, I don't know why, but I feel most drawn to. I, this is where I, also, where I often think, if, if there's an area where I feel home, this this is mm-hmm. this is it. And I don't know why. I often wonder why why that is, because it's it's just a feeling. So that's yeah. Kind of yeah, I do. yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. I, I probably Spitalfield out of all those areas, the place I've been to a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, and explored most most fully so far, and it has that. It, I feel like it has a more sort of natural friendliness to it. Um, I think sometimes in the sort of west, sort of posher areas, basically, sort of West London, Kensington, places like that, that you it almost feels a bit inaccessible sometimes yeah you walk these places you're like who lives in these houses because yeah. you know how how do you get to that point <laughs> right definitely yeah absolutely but i that's interesting because i once once i i, I walked with a friend um through nothing uh, nothing here um uh, and she said oh it's it's so lovely here i mean not a couple of years ago not nothing here was a terrible place but nowadays it's quite posh also and and, and pretty and and hip and she said oh, it's, it's so beautiful i could live here and I, I thought yeah it's nice but i don't feel anything here you know it's it, sometimes it's just some what you feel how you feel connected to a place and sometimes you don't which i think is is interesting because you can't really explain why but maybe it's even better if you can't yeah. explain why. Yeah, it's, it's just not, a sort of gut feeling basically right not, not coming yeah. from the head but from right from from the gut so, uh, Jack, you're also here today because you did a blog uh, and, and a self-guided walk uh, also about London's body snatchers. So yes. uh, we wanted to talk a bit about them because we, we both thought it's quite an interesting topic uh, and part of London's history. So uh, where did the idea for the, for the blog, but the body snatcher blog and the self-guided walk come from? Um, the... To be honest, I can't really remember where the, the sort of spark for the idea came from. Mm-hmm. I know I'd read a little bit about 
the topic um, when researching Crossbones Graveyard um, in Southwark mm. because that was a sort of key spot for um, or a key cemetery for, for body snatchers. So I'd kind of come across them through that, which was one of my earliest blogs. Um, so that was kind of in the back of my mind as a topic to cover at some point. Um, I'm also a on Facebook, you know, you, you've got these sort of like London history groups and there's a there's a group yeah. called London yeah. Sinister. I don't know whether you, or Sinister yeah. London. I'm also part of, of the yeah. group, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'd been doing I'd been a member of that group. I saw sort of things people were posting. I thought it'd be good and something that I hadn't done on the blog previously to to do a walk or do a blog post on sort of the more sinister side of London, the darker side of London. Yeah. I see people love love that as well. So I thought right. it'd be a popular uh, blog post. So that's kind of where it came from, really. Um, and then when I started sort of looking into it, obviously some topics just either don't work or are very difficult to work into a walk. Um, so obviously I had to kind of look into it to make sure that I could yeah. put together a walk that kind of made sense as well. Yeah, and it does, it does. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask how, how you kind of developed the route. I mean, some some points are, are fixed. <laughs> you have to include them if you're doing a, a body snatcher walk. But I think you, you start in Bunhill Fields, right? In the cemetery in, in Bunhill Fields. Yeah, I kind of, the things that I kind of took into it, so I did all the sort of, reading and research I'd say probably first and kind of got down everything that I wanted to put in it information wise mm. as I was doing the research I again sort of plotted all the points that are relevant to London today or places yeah. that you can still go to um, on a map and look kind of just looked at it on a map basically and thought what would be the the best route I mean, th this walk actually is probably the trickiest one I've written, I'd say, in terms of finding a route and then writing it and introducing a sort of narrative almost mm -hmm. into, into the walk that made sense, but also made sense to the actual geography um, and the things around you. So, yeah, I decided to start it in Bunhill Fields, um, which is, again, one of the sort of places that's mentioned quite a lot um when it comes to the sort of body snatcher gangs of london early 19th century uh, one of the hot spots for it really um and i thought it'd be a good place to start because obviously it's quite sort of atmospheric um yeah. it kind of gets you in the mood um for the walk to yeah look at that darker side of london yeah right yeah and then i think you then go go Towards Smithfield, obviously, and then and then St. Bart's Hospital, the the yeah the fixed points basically that are part of of the body snatching history, body snatching history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wanted to include obviously there obviously had to be a burial ground or a cemetery in there right. somewhere, um, and then there's the as you say the taverns and the inns that these body snatcher gangs would kind of do their networking if you like, and yeah. even some of them. Uh, you know display the bodies and sell them to the to the doctors in the in the hospitals um so i really wanted to get some of them in obviously wanted to get the hospitals in they're kind of key to the story sure. um so yeah that's kind of how it all yeah, <laughs> came yeah. together anyway. 
I think the one or two of these of these inns and, and taverns they still exist, like the the Rising Sun Tavern. Uh, have, yeah. you, have you have you been to to one of the <laughs> existing ones? So the the Rising Sun is the only one on the tour that on the the walk that is still there. So the Fortune of War Tavern, which yeah. is one that's most closely linked to the London Burkers. Um, isn't there anymore so it's just a corner and there's sort of a plaque um which explains about it basically yeah. um, i think it was demolished in early 20th century something like that um but yeah i haven't been to the rising sun so i've got a very long mental list of places that i want to go and yeah, uh, yeah. go to after lockdown and yeah. the majority of those are like historical pubs basically yeah <laughs> so I've got a lot of drinking today yeah but same for me I, I know exactly what you mean I, oh i have to visit i have to visit this pub because it has a historical yeah. connection to whatever and i can have a pint you know so yeah it's, yeah it's, i sometimes it's, obviously post on instagram or whatever about these pubs that have a really interesting history yeah. backstory i really want to go to them and people yeah. often ask as well or will post and comment and say oh i have have you been or they'll say they've been and I have to come and be like coming back and say you know I actually haven't been I really want to go and I've got a yeah yeah but hopefully it's uh, soon soon you can go there or yeah hopefully fingers crossed but I think the the fortune of war there was uh, somewhere near near um uh, what's it called where the gold pie corner right pie corner. yeah that's where, <laughs> that's that, that, uh, that's where the pub used to be on right, pie corner yeah, so. right. And so, so yeah, uh, you've got the plaque explaining about the pub and then above that you've got the little golden boy right yes 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 so um yeah as you said it's quite an interesting story and i think uh of course body snatching was was kind of an interesting you know important business in victorian uh britain especially in london i mean there's also the famous story of burke and hare in, in edinburgh mm -hmm. but uh so Maybe if you can't answer that, can you can you tell us a bit why it was such an such a successful business, <laughs> body snatching, or how it worked yeah. basically? Yeah, um, I think basically body snatching as a thing, so stealing dead bodies, either digging them up or somehow managing to steal them from the families, had been around for forever, pretty much, um, selling them for whatever use a human body could have. Um, but it really sort of came into its own in the early 19th century. So it's actually sort of the period where it, as, as I say, came into its own in the, the, the big cities like Edinburgh and London is the late, sort of late Georgian period, mm. um, 1800s, 1820s, 1830s. Um, the main sort of factors for that really um was the um so it was the, the, the these blossoming medical schools in london um and edinburgh uh, so you had st guys st thomas's um kings in sort of the later 1829 i think kings opened mm -hmm. um lots of new sort of medical students it was all becoming a bit more official the medical profession um and obviously to study um anatomy and study medicine they needed bodies to dissect um and up until 
1832, the only bodies that could be used were those of uh, criminals who had been executed. So with the increase in the, essentially with the increase in the number of bodies that were needed and the decreasing numbers of executions, mm. obviously um, opened up a, an opportunity for people. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that, those, that's the main sort of factor really. It was also sort of a period of great change um, in England. Um, so the Napoleonic Wars had come to an end. Um, there was a great sort of population increase. There was a lot of immigration from, well, from the continent um, into London, uh, but also from the countryside as well. Lots of people were moving from the countryside into the cities um, for a number of reasons. Um, so there was a lot of people, basically. Um, there were a lot of bodies. I think, if my facts are correct, in 18, sort of beginning of the 19th century, 1800, 1801, um london had a population of about a million yeah i think you're and right. then by 1830 1831 it had a population of about 1.65 million which is obviously mm -hmm. a pretty percentage increase um in the number of people that are around um so the number of people dying and the number of bodies was obviously a factor in it as well um and kind of the 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 number of people who people wouldn't necessarily miss uh, not miss going mm -hmm. missing mm -hmm. um there, were, there was a big sort of issue with vagrancy um and homelessness and that kind of thing and these were obviously prime targets um for the body snatchers to to prey on um mm -hmm. in terms of people dying and stealing their 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 corpses but also which is what happened with the london burkers and birkenhair in edinburgh they started supplementing their <laughs> Um, supply by right. murdering people basically yeah. Yeah. and i think this was i mean there was also the the uh, the problem that that they they didn't know I, I mean in general when when london became so when when its population grew so much they they didn't really know where to where to bury all the other bodies later on they had the, the magnificent seven uh yeah. magnificent seven uh, cemeteries but back then it was like we'll just put what one body on the other until you know there's yeah. no more there's yeah no more yeah particularly me. obviously if you were poorer you couldn't afford a proper grave you were buried in a shallow grave which makes it much easier for yeah. your body to be stolen right yeah and i think it wasn't illegal right i think body snatching was not illegal in no, no way yeah no so it wasn't officially illegal it was sort of illicit would mm -hmm. be the term so it was frowned upon maybe frowned upon is a bit of a kind way of putting it. It was, it was uh, you know, thought of very badly within society. Um, and people were, did sometimes serve short sort of prison sentences, but it wasn't, um, no, it was, there wasn't a mm. law against it because a dead body wasn't considered anyone's property. So you can't mm. steal. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I think this is this is quite interesting. And you also mentioned already the the London Burkers, and I think there was also the uh, the, the Borough Gang. I think they were also mm -hmm. quite quite famous. So can, can you tell us a bit about the different gangs in London, the, the Resurrection res, res, Resurrectionists? Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, as you say, the two that I mentioned in the walk, um, 
that there sort of seems to be the most information about mm. um, and the most primary sources on basically are the the borough gang so they were um i think they're basically considered the first sort of professional gang of body snatchers um in london so they worked for uh, as the name suggests they they operated out of south london predominantly but they were all over mm. uh, so they were a gang of, at their peak, they were a gang of six people led by a man called Ben Crouch, I believe, um, mm-hmm. who used to be a porter at St. Guy's. So often with these body snatchers and body snatcher gangs, they'd, they'd often worked in the hospitals as um, porters or servants in the dissecting rooms, yeah. or they'd worked in graveyards, actually, as grave diggers. Um, it was often the case. They kind of had expertise in in the skills needed to be a body snatcher, yeah. and they had the contacts as well so the borough gang were one of the main gangs you'd used by these hospitals um, the doctors were all complicit in it they mm. there was a guy called um top surgeon at the time called sir astley cooper um who essentially employed the borough gang to get bodies for him yeah uh, so yeah they i mean I th- it's thought that they sold you know over a thousand one thousand five hundred bodies over the course of um, sort of 10 15 years so wow. yeah yeah so that yeah that's the borough gang the were they the one the ones with the diary i, I think there's also this this diary where they or, is, or what was that exactly. another gang yeah so that that is the borough gang it's a guy called joseph naples who yeah. kept, it's, it's an amazing source actually it's so <laughs> read because you get such a an insight into their lives and it makes it very sort of real you're right reading yeah and he's going on about oh we couldn't we couldn't go out tonight because you know Tom got drunk yeah uh, sort of three nights in a row where, <laughs> where they got yeah, too drunk still drunk drunk again yeah yeah right yeah it's this is really interesting yeah. Sort of yeah. read but yeah he kept a diary for a couple of years I think 1801 to 1802 um and yeah it's a, it's an amazing source for studying body snatching basically yeah right. Yeah, and there was the other famous gang that you already mentioned, the London Burkers. Yes, the London Burkers. So they were a little bit um, operating, I think, a little bit later on towards the end, basically. It was kind of their arrest mm. um, for what they were doing that facilitated the public outcry against against body snatching, um, which then led to the Anatomy Act of 1832, which meant that uh, bodies that had been donated um, could be used for dissection. That pretty much, I think, wiped out the mm. body snatching mm. trade because they could come by bodies a lot, uh, the doctors could come by bodies a lot more easily. Um, so the London Burkers were, they were a pair really, but there were a couple of other sort of satellite um, people who worked with them. Um, and whether they, modeled themselves on Burke and Hare or whether they sort of essentially had the same idea um, is is uh, we're not sure basically mm-hmm. um, but yeah so they decided that they would start uh, murdering people um, knocking finding people in the pubs so that's where the sort of taverns come into the walk because um, obviously they're a great place to find people unawares um maybe they could drug them in the pub there is evidence of them doing that 
they took them often took them back to their house in um where was it it was sort of columbia market sort of area yeah i think it was bethany green right so it was bethany yeah. green yeah um nova scotia gardens i think they yeah. yeah yeah i said take them back there um and kill them basically and then sell their bodies yeah uh, and they need some efforts to make it look like these people have been been dug up so they had to sort of smear mud on them and that kind of thing um but i think there's there must have been some sort of there must be people knew it was going on i think that's my opinion on it anyway i yeah. think they must have known it was going on the amount of um sort of bodies that were coming in and that kind of thing I think everyone was just sort of complicit and it sort of reached ahead, particularly with the Burke and Hare murders, right. rather than it suddenly, you know, becoming a becoming an issue that yeah. people have suddenly realized is happening. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think the the basically the final thing was the the Italian boy, right? Where they, they murdered the, the Italian boy. That's what the, the name of the case basically, because they yeah. murdered this boy and I think they hung him upside down in a well. That's what, what they did with their, yeah, with they, their victims. In a well, yeah. He was essentially a uh, he was a fourteen year old Italian immigrant. He was he was selling white mice, I think, or that's what, that's what he was doing. For. He was mm -hmm. selling white mice on the street. Um, it was quite a big Italian community in uh, London's or Clark and Well Smithfield area, um, and yeah, and these these sort of young children were obviously prime targets um they often didn't have sort of parents there and that mm. kind of thing so they went missing you know who who's going to notice but obviously people did notice they took the body to it was a doctor at king's actually um who was basically suspicious that this body hadn't been dug up the signs were pretty obvious as mm. i say there was a bit of mud smeared on the legs um But as he was a doctor, he could work out that this person had been bludgeoned on the head and mm. you know, the, the, the clues started fitting together, basically. And he rung, he um, rang the police, basically. He kept them in the hospital, I think. Um, yeah. So sort of distract, not distracted them, but kept them there long enough for the yeah. police to turn up and arrest them. Yeah. And that... I think the, there was something with the teeth. I think they knocked out the teeth because because they could sell the teeth, and that there was yeah. I don't know there was blood in the mouth of, in the boy's mouth, and yeah. and and That's I think right. one of the others said well, one of them I think Bishop Bishop and Will, Williams. I'm I'm not Is quite Bishop sure. Williams May also um, right, but I think they yeah. said oh I think the blood gave us away. <laughs> you know, you know the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they they realized what where the mistake was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, teeth actually as well was a big uh, sort of business. So yeah. they'd often take out the teeth, as you say, to to sell for dental work. Right. Uh, and yeah, so that was what that was one of the clues. Oh. And unusual bodies as well. So people who might have deformities, they would obviously there's a med sort of medical interest there. You can yeah. learn things from them. So they would fetch a high price. Fetuses would fetch a high price. Things like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And I think it's also interesting kind of ironic that you know when when they were they were sentenced to death and afterwards their, their bodies were dissected you know they were they, they, yeah. the same thing happened to them that you know they they um, they made their money with had made their money yeah. with so definitely, definitely an, an irony there yeah right well, actually one of the other 
interesting things I read. Um, there's a great book, actually. I don't know whether you've read it, The Italian Boy by several guys, which basically covers this case. Yeah, um, of course I know the name. Yes, sure. But I haven't read it. Hmm? So it looks at the case and the, obviously the, the London Burkers in great detail. And he, she has a, sort of intersperses chapters about London at the time. She calls it sort of the era with no name because it's sort of between the Georgians and the yeah. Victorian. Mm -hmm. She does she writes quite a lot and writes really well about the sort of big um, changes going on in London at the time in terms of population and all the factors playing into it. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a, I'd highly recommend okay. reading that. Um, what was I talking about before? I... <laughs> the, uh, they were dissected also. But I think, the, um, as you said, the, the whole era, uh, the whole era, uh, that's, that's quite a, uh, an appropriate name for it the the the, the nameless <laughs> era because it was between yeah. between the monarchs and it's it was such an interesting era for london because of the growth of population and the the, the sinister side you know there were there were also the the redcliffe highway murders and on yeah and in, in whopping and things like that so quite a lot of, happened back then yeah it's kind of the it's kind of like the, the social opinions were changing quite yeah. a lot on what and that kind of thing and the institutions were then sort of catching up yeah um, right yeah yeah very interesting yeah yeah so uh, i think you you end the uh, the walk at uh, st bright's fleet street with, yes. where the where the iron coffin is in in, in the crypt so uh, what is the connection the, the uh, coffin's connections a uh, connection to body snatching yeah, so the iron coffin was basically one of the ways that um, people would stop their relatives who had died um, being dug up by body snatchers. So there were kind of a number of tactics. As we said earlier, it wasn't actually illegal. So people took matters into their own hands quite a lot, essentially. So they'd um, one of the family members would sit by the grave for the first few nights, because after a few days, the body would be mm. too pu uh, putrid mm -hmm. to yeah. sell to someone. So you'd only have to watch it for, for a few days and nights. But so it's <laughs> still not great. But, um, no, but yeah. Yeah, they watched it. There were what they um, there were watchtowers and watchmen put up in um, cemeteries. There were these iron coffins. I think these kind of things were more for richer people, basically, sure. that could afford so the iron coffins, the there was a thing called a mort safe, um, which was essentially an iron cage that they'd put around the coffin. Um, that was another one of the tactics. Dogs, yeah. like guard dogs and things like that. So, yeah. So that's that. Yeah, that's where the um, that's where the walk ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's an appropriate end to to the tour. I think. I mean, when I look at your website, I see a lot of blocks and, and walks that include cemeteries as i said bunny and fields and crossbones cemetery and apney park cemetery st john uh, st john at Hampstead. so which london cemetery is your favorite do you have a favorite that's really that's very difficult because uh, <laughs> they're all good in their own ways you know um i think probably my favorite at the moment is apney mm. uh, mainly probably because I've just been there more. I live, I live closer and it is a fascinating cemetery. It's got a lot of um, non-conformists that are buried yeah. there. Um, and it's got that 
um, sort of gothic chapel in the middle, funerary chapel that's no longer in use. It's kind of this great sort of shell, um, which is really, really interesting. And lots of interesting people buried there, basically. Um, so that's probably my favourite at the moment. Yeah. I mean, the, the sort of, the re, I mean, I, I do find cemeteries really interesting. I think they're a great source of sort of stories and history and you can learn mm. a lot from them. And they're, obviously, and they're also very nice places to just walk around. Um, sort of peaceful place to, to walk. Um, but lockdown has obviously played into cemeteries have been open. Uh, so I've been able to go to them, um, which is one of the reasons why, <laughs> behind why um, yeah. there's so many of them, yeah. of those posts. I think there's also one about uh, St. Pancras Old Church with the hardy tree, right? With the, yes. <laughs> where all the graves are put around this tree. I think it's just yeah. such an interesting place you go then i mean i knew before I, I went there i knew what 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 to expect but if you go there and you don't know what it is you think like what's that <laughs> Why is yeah that? very sort of eerie looking isn't it right yeah and then i think they also found uh, the, the bones of a walrus there i think this is yeah uh, i mentioned that in my blog post on it actually I, I kind of i wrote the blog post and published it and then i think a few days later or a week later i read about the the story about the walrus so i was like okay well i've got to put that in i updated yeah. it um but yeah they essentially found the the yeah the bones of a pacific walrus um in buried with the bones of seven people um and it's basically a mystery no one really knows why there are a few theories they think it might have come from uh, london zoo which is obviously nearby there were pacific walruses there um, around the right time I think one of them died and it was dissected again back to dissection um, and so I think it might be that one or actually bo body snatching is a potential theory as well um, as well as sort of um, uh, the ivory trade that yeah. kind of thing um, yeah that's right I think yeah. uh, in, especially in connection with uh, St Pancras Old Church there's also a bit of a literary literary co connection to to body snatching because I I, I think Dickens uh, he he used the Tale of Two Cities I think this is in Saint Pancras Old Church where there's there's body snatching and what I also find interesting is that um, Mary Shelley's who Mary Shelley who wrote Frankenstein her her mother was buried in Saint Pancras Old Church yeah. Mary Wollstonecraft and yeah. you know Frankenstein is this this story where someone you know creates a creature from from various body parts so i think it's just interesting to see where where this this influence maybe not even consciously but where this all where this all yeah ended up in also in, in literature the old body snatching yeah. yeah he spent a lot of time in the in st pancras old church cemetery as well didn't she mary shelley yeah yeah she yeah the grave of her mother quite a lot right. and as you say it was a it was a another place where there'd be body snatchers lurking around all the time so a very sort of sinister dark yeah. um, place that's fed into yeah. her into right her story. probably influenced the story i think so too yeah, yeah. so uh which other self-guided walks have you got planned or have you got in general that you want to share with us <laughs> <laughs> um what have i got planned oh gosh that's a good question um <laughs> I definitely want to do some more. I haven't done any sort of area specific ones in a while. Um, so I'd like to do, and the ones I've done, I think have been more North focused. So I've done a Highgate one. 
um, mm-hmm. I'd quite like to do an, uh, another sort of specific area and look at all the uh, a self-guided walking tour of all the sort of hidden history and sort of quirky bits that you can get out and uh, go and see. Um, other than that, I, as I say, as I said earlier, I want there are areas that I still mm. want to explore quite a lot. So yeah. Bethnal Green and Whitechapel, sort of east, and then obviously places further out that um, I had, haven't been able to get to. Um, so I've got a Historic Royal Palaces membership. I got it for my birthday, I think, or Christmas or something like that, and I haven't really been able to use it. I used it once when I uh, at the Tower of London in the Gap. When oh we yeah. Were out do stuff but I really want to go to Hampton Court to sort of Richmond and Twickenham and yeah. these places as well yeah uh do you have, I, I just thought did you have a plan do you have a plan to maybe also do guided walks and only self-guided walks but where you lead a group of people along? um yes that is sort of my plan I think so I'm I'm uh, currently on the open city golden key academy course Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of a couple of evenings a month um, between February and September. It's the first year they're doing it, actually. So yeah, it's a it's a course on guiding and the skills that you need um, to guide in sort of a general sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the end sort of thing of that, they they help you put together your own walking tour, sort of curate the tour, and then. Uh, at Open City Weekend in September, you run that tour basically to the public and you get assessed on that. Great. That's the end of the course. So I'm doing that currently. And yeah, I'd, I would love to get into guiding and start guiding. So that's, that is sort of part of my plan. And hopefully this, Great. the blog and sort of my social media accounts will be a good springboard for that. I think so. I think so. I think this is, especially now, when, once again, we have to mention lockdown, but especially now this is very helpful because people will know, oh, this is, you know, this is Jack from Living London History. I have read a lot of his of his posts and of, of his blogs. I'm, I'm going to join a tour. So, yeah, I think this is really, really helpful. Yeah, let, let me know. I, I'll, I'll join one of your tours if it's possible <laughs> one day. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, oh, definitely. So, uh, do you have a, a favorite place in London or is it impossible to say? Yeah, that is a really difficult question. I, I've been thinking about it. Um, I'd say probably my favorite area in terms of interest currently is Smithfield, actually, and Clerkenwell. Um, mm. Obviously relevant to the to the body snatching tour because it goes through there. Um, it's probably the area that I've and sort of Hoburn, that, that sort of area I've sort of explored the most, I'd mm-hmm. say, because where I've walked in from where I've been living in North London. Yeah. Uh, first bit I sort of come to <laughs> each time, basically. Um, but I think it's a fascinating area. Um, and it's so it, you kind of get that sense of old London that yes. you don't get some other places. So it's, it's all little alleyways and... You've got the St. Bartholomew's Gatehouse. It's amazing. Tudor mm. build been somehow magically preserved. Um, so, yeah, that, that area is probably, at the moment, the area that I, I find sort of most interesting. It doesn't matter my, my favourite area to spend time. I love being by the river. Um, so, probably the South Bank. Um, I 
used to love going to the National Theatre and the Globe and places like that um and we'll definitely be going back once they've opened yeah uh, so yeah south bank southwark Bankside. i find all that area really really interesting and just really a really nice place to spend time yeah it's it's true i i understand what you mean and it's really vibrant also so this there's this yeah i i understand what you what you mean this is just a nice area to to be you know it's not a good atmosphere yeah yeah definitely yeah so um I don't know if, if this is possible to answer, but has has dealing with London and its history changed your your view of this city, or maybe also walking this city has this changed what from what you knew before, maybe before you moved there, before you started this? Um, it's definitely made me love London. Basically, it's probably the the, mm. the easiest way to sort of explain it, and and it's kind of not something that. I expected necessarily I thought I'd find it interesting mm. and, I, and I knew I enjoyed history and walking and walking around seeing history and I knew I really liked London and spending time in London but studying it and sort of feeling like you understand it and understand the sort of or beginning to understand mm. the sort of urban sort of geography and what you're seeing around you and how you sort of read the city and that kind of thing it does yeah it's made me really love London as a city and love London yeah. as a place you feel a lot more connected to it um yeah as a place which yeah actually I wasn't really expecting because I've never really looked uh, I mean obviously I've lived in other places I've never really looked so in depth at a place and explored it so thoroughly yeah. um so yeah that, that's probably the main thing yeah but I understand what you I understand what you mean and um I, I'm, I'm all, I, I sometimes I, I think I need to to invite someone to these talks who really hates London. It would be just <laughs> just interesting. No, really, I mean to talk to, yeah. to someone who really says yeah. I think this is a terrible place, and then would be interesting to get his or her opinion on, on be all these these things, because you know most of my guests or all of them they have been like, yeah, I really appreciate London. I like London. I love London. It's it's just, yeah. but I've. I think maybe I should invite someone who says no. It's really yeah. terrible. <laughs> that would be yeah, that would yeah. be very interesting. Occasionally, I get I, I'll get a comment, like a stray comment on like a social media post or something like that. Um, not really, actually, on like Instagram or Facebook. I, I've recently got into TikTok. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm not. I've not participated participated in TikTok yet, but maybe yeah. I don't know. Is it worth it? I, I think we're too old for that. I, I you maybe not. Well, so that's kind of what I thought, and I thought I'd give it a go. And actually, it's quite fun. It's okay. a very user-friendly app in terms of putting together like the the videos and stuff like that. And it's quite I mean, it's an odd one because I've had a video. I think it was my second or third video, and it did amazing, like so much better than I thought it was going to be. It's got 450,000 views something like wow. that and it just blew up you know loads of comments likes it was amazing and then I posted one this week and it's got 2,000 and I'm so confused why <laughs> but it's it's something to do with like the obviously something to do with the algorithm and what right. time you put yeah. it and obviously I, it's probably not quite as good a video but not quite as enticing kind of thing because your your audience is so much broader because it shows it to loads of random people essentially yeah, yeah. 
but I think, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was TikTok where I occasionally get a comment from someone saying, I hate London, you know, yeah. London's a terrible place. I don't know why you post about it or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, I think, what, why do you hate it? I mean, yeah. I don't but maybe I should join TikTok then to just to, because maybe I'll, I'll find someone there who, who really hates it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think this is also funny what you just said with the videos, because I mean, 2000 views, this is, this is, uh, this is still, this is not bad. This is, I mean, 2000 yeah. people watch your video, but you know, if you compare it, you know, in comparison, you think, what, what's wrong? <laughs> <They're> so... <laughs> that, that's very true, actually. Yeah. It's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah. May okay. Maybe TikTok. Maybe one day. Also, you can just you can just sort of experiment with it. Right. It doesn't, yeah. Doesn't really matter. You can just stick some things out there and see what happens. You might. Yeah. Yeah. Might be brilliant. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so my my basically my final question to all of my or well, most of my guests is, uh, but it's sometimes a bit difficult to answer. Because, so if you can't, just that's that's perfectly fine. Uh, can you name three Londoners that you would have that you would love to have dinner or a drink with from so, today, from throughout history, whoever you like? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go for Thomas Cromwell. Oh yes, because <laughs> I think he would obviously be a fascinating person to talk to. Could give you a great insight into Tudor London. Yeah, and I'm a big Wolf Hall fan, so I think that would be. Great, you're going to get to the bottom of who Thomas Cromwell really was. Um, so he'd be my first choice. My second choice would be, I think, I mean, this is a really hard question and there are so many names that yeah. I could pick, but I think I'm going to go for Christopher Wren as my second one. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that would be interesting. Yeah. 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 I, I, there are, I kind of thought about Peeps and Samuel Johnson. I feel like they're classic people that, that people would pick, but I feel like I almost feel like you know I feel like I know them quite well if that makes mm -hmm. sense because of the diaries and the, the biographies and that kind of thing I almost feel like I could get more insight having dinner with someone that I you know yeah. I yeah. don't know so much about I feel like I'm thinking this through way too much but um <laughs> no it's yeah fine yeah yeah Christopher Wren will be my second one because I feel like he's he's the person that's had surely the most impact of one person on um the city's right lands. yeah um, maybe hitler i don't know <laughs> yeah, but who knows? no but you're right i think you're absolutely right yeah. yeah yeah so he would be my my second and my third one i'd pick florence nightingale she's not actually i don't even know whether christopher wren is a londoner or such obviously he lived in london um or spent a lot of time in London. And Florence Nightingale's not a Londoner, but she lived in London for a long time. That's uh, that, that counts. I mean, people say Shakespeare or Dickens or some, someone like that, and they they've all they've not been born in yeah. London. So, but they they're considered Londoners in a way. So that's fine. But yeah, Florence Nightingale. That's that's also an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that would be. It. I've actually weirdly got not a family link to Florence Nightingale, but my. I can't really, it's like great great grandmother or great great aunt or something like that was her maid her cook in when she lived in London in Mayfair she was her oh, maid wow. for 10 years and we've got um, in the family we've got a sort of handwritten note from Florence Nightingale to my long lost relative wow. um, which is quite interesting so I feel like that, that's kind of why I picked Florence Nightingale as well as the fact that obviously she's an incredibly interesting and 
um, sort of worthy person to have dinner yeah. with. Definitely, but that's that's uh, that's a really that's really interesting story. A really interesting story, and yeah, it's wonderful that you have that you have this note for for a relative. You I should... know. I actually only found that out quite recently. I knew we had this link, um, but yeah, I didn't know we actually had sort of a physical mm. thing. That's um, great. Yeah. Try try not to lose it. Try to to treasure. It. <laughs> yeah. Make sure it's sort of framed and put on, yeah. yeah, put on but display. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm collecting all the names that people give to me, and then one day I'm gonna publish a list with all the, the names that were given, and 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 who's on on top. I mean, I think most people up to now, or most of my guests have said Shakespeare. So he's, he's. I can't believe I didn't think of Shakespeare. I feel like maybe he would have made my list if I'd have thought of him. <laughs> maybe, maybe because it's it's too obvious. I when I when I thought about it, I also thought I wouldn't have picked Shakespeare. I feel like there's people probably pick him obviously because of the plays and people love Shakespeare but also there's that there's so many questions around Shakespeare that yeah right you want to know what's what really yeah you want to know the truth behind the man maybe yeah, maybe you are maybe one's disappointed to find out that maybe he really wrote everything he did or maybe he didn't <laughs> yeah that's true there is the potential that you would be yeah. <laughs> very very disappointed right yeah okay so thank you very much, Jack. Uh, it was great to have you here on London and Talks Beyond Time and Place today. Uh, I'm going to put a link to Living London History into the description. And uh, yes, as I said, thank you very much for being my guest, Jack. No problem. Thanks for having me.